making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canaday journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. I wanted to ensure that others, especially those newly injured, had access to resources, information, and the same type of peer support she has had. Rebecca uses painting, illustration, photography, film, movement, and other media as forms of expression and tools for advocacy and social justice. So our first question for you is, why did you want to become a fashion designer? You know, I was doing research on you. It seems like you knew that was what you wanted to do from a very early age. I was a kid, I've been interested in art, doing illustrations, and I would just find myself making little doodles at school. I'd make these little notebooks with drawings of, you know, different clothing or shoes and things like that. So it was something I was always interested in and more like the design of it artistically. So, you know, I wasn't, I'm not a person who's always glammed up. I'm actually always in like yoga pants and a sweater. I just love the design of it. I think it's really interesting and I think I knew it from a very young age. That's wonderful. I feel like there aren't enough individuals with disabilities in the art, actually in all the different fields. I see that, you know, you became the first person in the wheelchair to complete the fashion design degree at Harper College. What particular challenges did you face as you went through the program that you felt like other fashion designer classmates did not have to experience? Definitely the physical limitations. I have a spinal cord injury and I'm paralyzed from the chest down. And also I have some impairment in my arms and fingers and hands. There definitely was the physical aspect of just getting things done. And I did have an aide that helped me in class to help me keep up during the lab type classes because they were like three, four hour long classes where we would just work. I needed assistance with cutting, you know, pinning onto the, the dress forms, setting up the sewing machine. And a lot of the tables were really tall. So they had to, you know, make a table that was lower so that I could pull up on under it with my wheelchair. The school was very supportive. They didn't know what they were doing and they definitely were scared and like looked to me to inform them what I needed. And so I really had to be a self-advocate to let them know what I needed and what would make it easier for me to participate and just, you know, have that communication open. And, you know, they were great. They did what they could to help me complete the program and do it successfully. And I feel like I did a really good time there good program Mm -hmm. yeah I can definitely relate to that I remember when I was in high school my chemistry teacher actually made a desk just for me so that you know I could see over everyone else so I see that you were featured and that you're a representative and finalist at the fashion group international costume design competition at Harper College what do you think is different about pursuing a fashion design degree as a wheelchair user compared to an able-bodied person how has that influenced your art your designs well I think initially when going through school I sort of didn't really want to like I wanted to keep up with everyone in the project and I didn't really think about you know what I was as far as like adaptive clothing or anything like that or designing in that sense my style was more wearable art almost like sculpturing something that you wouldn't wear out every day 
more theatrical and for the stage. That's kind of where, you know, my, my mind was um, designing. And it hasn't been until recent years that I've thought more of designing for someone in a chair or for adapting for people with disabilities has been like so bad for a long time. People think of adapting things using like Velcro and snaps and things and not always fashionable. So I think there's a lot of people that are starting to do that now and are doing it well. And even, you know, a lot of the mainstream designers are actually now thinking about this and thinking about different bodies and how to design for people with different bodies. I think it's very exciting right now. I really resonate with that as well, because, you know, it seems like when you look around, only the most uh, extraordinary people with disabilities get noticed or feel like get a voice or equal voice Mm -hmm. to able-bodied populations. So I was really happy to hear that, you know, you're seeking to change that image and, you know, just documenting the everyday, the everyday lives that everyone else does, traveling, working, going to school. So in terms of Backbones, I know you started it in 2009. It's a nonprofit organization that provides one-to-one support for individuals with spinal cord injuries. So can you share with us how it all got started? A lot of things were happening at the same time. I wanted to go to this spinal cord injury recovery program that was out in California, not covered by insurance. So we started fundraising and, uh, you know, a couple friends and my family. We wanted to set up a website where people could make donations. We didn't want it to be something like fundraise for Rebecca or something like really cheesy and dorky. So we were trying to think of like what to name it and something that would mean support and spinal cord injury. Looking through a thesaurus, we came across Backbones and we're like, that's perfect. We named this little fundraising campaign that we were doing Backbones and we were successful in fundraising for me to go out to California. I was out there for three months. I came back meeting people over there with similar injuries and and discussing, you know, what it was like to go home after our injury and the feeling that we all felt there was lack of like peer support once we got home or that things were really difficult after leaving rehab to find information. So it wasn't until college that I started meeting other people with disabilities and injuries. It made a really big difference for me. It made me see what others were doing. And then me comparing myself and seeing an example in other people and saying, oh, I can do that too. Or like, I can travel. I can try that sport or I can anything. People are now starting to think that Backbones is an organization because, I don't know, because they just thought we were. And so I started thinking, well, we can do more. We can help people. All these people are feeling like this. So I went to this fashion show with my friends. I didn't know it was a benefit for an organization called Immerman Angels. It's here in Chicago. And what that organization does is one-on-one peer support for people that are cancer survivors. So I went to this fashion show and somebody handed me a card. And I went because it was just being advertised and I wanted to go to this show. But they gave me a card and said, you know, this is what this is for. I came home and I did some research and I was like, wow, this organization is amazing. Like, It's such a simple model. We're just matching people that have gone through the same experience and they're finding so much support in that connection. And I thought if I would have had this when I was 13, to been able to talk to another girl that had gone through the same thing or was going through the same thing as I was, like that would have been a game changer for me. So that's 
basically where it got started. I was obsessed with their website and like a month or two later, I finally got the guts to call their director and I asked him if he would have lunch with me and we sat down and he sort of guided me to figure out how to start Backbones and I pretty much based it off the model of their organization and it's now evolved into something different, but that was the beginnings of it and I'm still very good friends with Johnny Emmerman, the director. Every time I'll reach out to him and I'm like, hey, I'm going through this, help me out and He's my one-on-one nonprofit peer. Um, what has it evolved into? Can you elaborate on, on you know, the changes and what you see for the future? Started as matching people with a similar injury, similar age background, not necessarily no location. You know, if location was possible, then great. But people that would find something in common and could even communicate over Skype or, or the phone or email. Eventually, we started doing some events for fundraising. But we were noticing at these events that people were talking to each other and they were exchanging phone numbers. And the next day, they were becoming friends on Facebook. They were creating these connections in a more normal way, I guess, the way that everyone meets each other at an event or an activity, become friends and, and, you know, continue to stay connected. And so it was happening in a more social setting. And when we were matching people, I felt like sometimes people wouldn't make that phone call or send that email because it can be awkward to, to reach out to someone who you don't know, especially you know, to say like, oh, hey, I'm paralyzed and you're paralyzed. Let's be friends, you know, it's sometimes not the best way for people. So we still continue to do that when people request to be matched. We have become a little more focused on creating these spaces and events where people can meet in person and make friends and talk to people. And they're open to everyone. It's not just chair users or just people with spinal cord injuries. It's open to family members, to friends, or just anybody, because I think it's important to breaking down barriers that anyone is welcome. Anyone can ask a question. Anyone can try it and get to know each other. And I think that's how we're going to start making changes and changing stereotypes and on what disability is for people that, you know, have never experienced even talking to someone with a disability, which is common. You'd think it wouldn't be, but it is. A lot of people have don't even know how to interact with someone. Anything else that you wanted to share in terms of dreams for the future, in terms of the disability rights movement? Moving towards the future, I'm really excited um, where we're at right now that I think that a lot of people with disabilities are getting more involved in advocacy and also being more present on social media or getting involved civically, that it's 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 kind of exciting to see. And I'm hoping that more young people with disabilities also continue to to do their part and, and get involved and make some change because a lot of positive things that have changed, but we need more and we need more access, more representation. Well, um, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot from you and I appreciated you for carving out a good chunk of your day to do this. No problem. It was a pleasure. It was really nice chatting with you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Global on Wheels, please visit trapesandglobalonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where our handle is at trapesandglobalonwheels, and also Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. And if you have an extra minute, please make sure to review our podcast wherever you like to get your podcast. 
This helps us tremendously as we try to understand how best to serve our listeners and further spread the word of our mission. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.